Hello, this is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast, and it's my honor today to have as my guest, Angie Smith. I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. I know you're going to love hearing from her and her story about motorsports. So Angie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So Angie, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself whatever you're comfortable sharing um, as far as just so we can get to know you a little bit better. Well, I'm Angie Smith. Um, My maiden name's Angie McBride. I did race before I was Angie Smith. Uh, I kind of got married into into a family of racing. Mm -hmm. And um, I raced a class called Outlaw Pro Street in drag racing. And it was a no Willie bar nitrous class, seven second motorcycles and went almost 200 miles an hour on no Willie bars. And kind of just got my feet wet and did that, won a championship in that. I was the only girl to ever uh, win a championship in that class. There was one other girl that raced a couple races, but I was the only girl to ever win races in that and win a championship in that. And um, the ultimate thing is to go pro stop motorcycle racing when you're involved in drag racing. And that's kind of the elite. And um, I really wanted to go pro stop motorcycle racing. And, you know, I... I had an opportunity. Matt called me up, which is my husband now. He, yeah. We were not husband and wife. We were not boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. We were actually arch enemies <laughs> just, just because we raced outlaw against each other and I okay. wasn't on his team. So um, we were pretty big rivals. And, um, you know, after he moved on to pro stock, he, he wanted – he wanted me on his, he wanted a girl on his team and he reached out to me and I was kind of like, no, I kind of didn't want to do it just because, you know, I, I didn't get along with him on the track. So I didn't feel like that would be a good match off the track. So I just didn't think that I would make a good team player, but he just, he was very persistent. He kept on and on and on. And I finally, he was like, just come ride my bike and see how you do. So I did go to Rockingham in 2007 and rode his bike and then uh, he wanted me to be his date for the banquet in 2007. He was like, you know, I'll, hopefully I'm going to win the championship and I need a date. And I was like, no, you know, I told him no and I wasn't going. And uh, he said, just check your email. You have a plane ticket there so you can come. And I'm like, oh, so, so I went and he won the championship and I was the date for the banquet and we kind of started dating after that. And so then it was, okay, now, you know, I'm going pro stop motorcycle racing and, and, you know, these machines that we ride are totally different than what I come from. Mm-hmm. I come from a no Willie bar nitrous class. And now I'm going to a normally aspirated class, no power adder. And it was, it was a challenge at first. You have to be absolutely perfect and absolutely flawless. Every pass down this race track on a pro stop motorcycle because you have 25 to 30 riders out there competing for 16 spots and they're at the best of the best and so you got to become one of the best of the best so you know it was a challenge my first few years I really struggled I really struggled riding and um you know with a lot of laps a lot of tests and a lot of you know all of that you know we put it together and um 
I got my first win in Pro Stop Motorcycle in 2014. Just got my second win in Las Vegas in 2020. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just a testament to how hard it is to, to race out here and to win out here. I got my first number one qualifier a couple of weeks ago in Sonoma, California. And um, so it was all in all. So that's all about racing. That kind of brings you up to speed of how I got racing. So me and Matt got married in 2009. We have three children that are dogs because <laughs> there are, there are kids and there are dogs. And because we travel so much, we're on the road so much, and mm-hmm. it's such a big commitment to race in HRA. So, you know, those are our kids and they go everywhere with us. They go to the track with us. They go testing with us. They go everything. Um, we got married. Like I said, we got married in 2009. We built a house in King, North Carolina. And, um, we have our own shop here. We do everything in house for our engine program. And I kind of think that that is one of the main reasons why we are as successful as we are, because we have everything, all the resources that we need to go pro stop motorcycle racing. We have them here. So I think that's just one of the good things that we have going and, you know, we're competing against you know, multi-million dollar teams. And, um, we've been very fortunate to have great sponsors throughout the years. And we have Denzo and Mm -hmm. they have been remarkable to me. They really have. They signed me in 2018 as my first full year. And they've stuck with me ever since. And then they signed Matthew, I think in 2019. So, we have a good dynamic and it's really hard to work with your husband and <laughs> that whole deal. But, you know, we've been married for 12 years and we've made it work. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's days and, you know, my husband and I are mostly retired now other than I have the IWMA and he has a part-time welding business, but we spend a lot of time together <laughs> and there's days that I say, I just need to go somewhere. I just need a break. And that happens, Mm -hmm. but there's nobody I'd rather spend time with or go places with. And I'm sure that's how it is with you too, because you do spend a lot of time together. You have so many things in common that you enjoy doing together, which is so important. And yet there's those days that you just need to go get a pedicure and be like, I need a couple hours to myself, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's totally true. And you have to pick your battles. Um, Mm -hmm. When you eat, sleep, drink, work, whatever together 24 seven, you have those challenging days. And yeah. like you said, you know, you have to go, I need a break. Like I yeah. need some me time. Like it's really good though. Through the summer, we have a pool. So I'm like, I'm going, I need an hour and a half. I'm going to the pool yeah. <laughs> and then, then I'll come back in, put my work clothes back on and then I'll go back to work. So. Yeah, every everybody just, you know, deserves and needs a break at times. And so there's nothing wrong with that for sure. So um, he was pretty persistent, wasn't he? About you? He is. He was persistent for two years. He just mm-hmm. kept on and on. I mean, he would call me and I might call him back like a week or two or three weeks later. Like he was very persistent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just I didn't, I want, I don't want to say I caved in, but I kind of caved in and was like, okay, like I'll just go on one day. And then it was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He knew once he got you on a date, you were going to be hooked and there you go. So 
I'm, yeah. I'm glad he was persistent because it looks like it was a good thing in the long run. It was. Yeah. And like I said, to be able to have so many things in common to do the same kind of work and to have the same schedules basically. And that, that, that does in the long run, make things so much easier that you're not each of you going 10 different directions and, and not spending time together. So there's a, there's a happy medium in there somewhere, but absolutely. But, um, yeah. It's fun that you can do this together. So what's, what's the biggest challenge about do you know, being on the road and being with your husband all the time? I mean, yes, we need a break, but what, you know, um, what were some challenges that you had to go through when you first started traveling together? And then what are the benefits of, of doing that? I think the challenges is, um, we, I have friendships with girls that I went to high school with. And one of my biggest challenges is getting together with them during race season and things like that. It's very challenging. You know, I, I, I have to miss all the fun trips to, to Nashville and to the beach and to all the places that they go. I have to miss all those trips because yeah. you make such a sacrifice when you go racing. And I mean, that's one of the biggest things and spending time with your family. I mean, yeah, you have, you're with your husband and you go and you have a racing family when you're at the track, but I see my racing family more than I see my real family. Right. And, and I have nieces and nephews and my sister and, you know, my mom and my dad and my stepdad and people like that, you know, I've had to make sacrifices. I've not, you know, I used to spend, you know, every couple of days with those folks and, and now I can't do that, but they understand the business and I understand the business. And, you know, I think that's, that's some of the real things that you get to miss. You, you miss birthday parties. You miss, you know, very big events in your life mm -hmm. and significant events in their life. You have to miss those things. And, you know, it's heartbreaking, but they understand the business, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's so true. I've heard, you know, like Larry McReynolds that that's, you know, from NASCAR, I've heard him say, the same thing, all the sacrifices that team, you know, the crew and everybody, everybody involved in your team, everybody involved in NHRA, they're all right. missing and it's all the same. And they, they do miss so many things. And so I think when they do have the opportunity to spend time with family or they make the opportunities happen because they know that it's limited and we have to do it when the time is right. And so, I mean, I think every job has sacrifices, but, but racing is definitely a full-time job. I mean, even 24 seven, but especially when you're out on the road, actually going to the events. Right. And I mean, and it, and it has a lot of benefits as well. I mean, you know, I get to spend time with my husband, you know, I don't have to kiss him goodbye and he goes racing and I stay at home and I go to a nine to five, you know, and we get to take our dogs to the track with us. So, yeah. you know, that's one of the benefits of it. And, you know, we get to do this together and we get to do this journey together and not a lot of people can say things like that. And, yeah. you know, and like I said, you know, we're very fortunate and we're very blessed to get to do what we do, but it's also at the sacrifice. We have to sacrifice as well. Right. Now, are there any other husband, wife um, teams that, that you race against, or are you guys the only one? 
Um, we're the only husband and wife team that raced the same class. Um, now, Bo Butner and Randy Lynn, they aren't married, but they're getting married. And I don't know. I don't think they run the same class. And I think that's just about it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think there was, but I, you know, thought right. there might be somebody that I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So when you have to race each other, that happens, correct? Uh-huh. Yes. How does that go? <laughs> Um, it's a, it's a lose, lose for him <laughs> because if I win and I I'm happy, then he loses. Yeah. If he, if he wins, then I'm mad and he still loses. Exactly. So I always say it's a lose, lose for him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, he can't, he can't win no matter what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but do you have, a? I mean, I understand every racer wants to win. I get that. But next to you, he's the only other one you'd like to see in the winner's circle for sure. You know, and I know it's uh -huh. like, dang, he beat me again or, or he'll be, you know, she's faster than I am. I got to tweak my bike, but um, it's still got to be kind of fun, isn't it? If you're it there on the starting lines together and you look over at each other, I mean, there's nobody else that gets to do that. Yeah, exactly. And we actually just raced each other at our last race that we raced in Pomona. And, um, it's, um, I will say that we have a deal and I, the deal is if you beat me, I can't be mad at you. If you win the race, if you bring the trophy home, then I won't be mad. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. And by that time, like two hours later and we're up for the finals, I'm already over it anyway. So yeah, yeah absolutely. You can't, you can't hold that grudge for very right. long because you know, you're going to be racing again the next weekend or the next weekend. And so yeah. life has to go on and, and happily after that, for sure. Right. So Angie, tell me that in, you know, I interview a lot of women involved in all kinds of racing. So in NHRA, are women, you know, there's a lot of women in that, in drag racing. Are they pretty well accepted by most or all the people? Nobody really gives you a hard time or have you had any experiences where, you know, it's been kind of a negative thing? Um, I wouldn't say it's a negative thing, but per se, you have to earn your keep. I mean, not all of the racers, uh, will accept you. I think you have to earn your keep and you have to go out there and do your job and do well at it. And, um, in the beginning, I don't think I was well accepted in the beginning because they just didn't know. They didn't know if I was just a girlfriend or how that was going to work out. And if I was going to be here one week and go on the next, and then, you know, we got married and I think they know that I'm, I'm there now. <laughs> so yeah. I might can be a pain in some of them's butt at times just because, you know, racing and we have fast motorcycles, but yeah, I think now I'm very well respected uh, mm -hmm. amongst the pro stop motorcycle community and, you know, amongst the whole NHRA community, I think, I think we're well respected. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well, for sure. So when you work, you said about taking a break, going to the pool and then going back to work. So what are some of the things that you actually do as far as getting the bikes ready or, 
whatever, you know, how does that work? So a lot of people do not know this, but um, I actually assemble the motors here. He has spent a lot of time working with me and teaching me how to assemble the motors. And so when we get back from a race, I'll take the motors out of the bike, tear the motors all the way apart, clean all the parts. And if everything looks good, then I'll assemble everything back. And that gives him an opportunity to work on research and development and things like that. So, and a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people see me at the track with my hair done, makeup on, my nails polished and all of that, but they don't see me at the shop when I got grease and I'm covered from my head to my toe and oil and grease and everything like that. Cause I have to go right the day before and get a manicure just so I look presentable to be a driver. So, yeah, but a lot of people don't know that, but yeah, I, um, I'm very hands-on and I work on the bikes. Yeah. I have a feeling that you did because it just seemed like that's probably how it worked, but I wanted to hear it from you and as to what, you know, how that actually went. And right. And so, um, you know, as far as being a woman involved in motorsports, is it something that you would encourage other women to do and to get started? Yes, absolutely. And here's the reason why when I first started this journey with Matt, I didn't do anything. Like I literally showed up at the racetrack and made sandwiches for everybody. (laughs) And that's about the limit. That was about my limit. And, um, And he looked at me one day and he said, "Um, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to be on this race team, you're going to have to learn how to do something other than what you're doing. You're going to have to learn to work on the bikes. And I kind of like looked at him crazy, like, is he joking or what? And he said, I promise you, it will make you a better rider. And I was like, there's no way, but okay. But it has made me such a better rider, like, cause I can give him feedback as my crew chief. I can give him feedback of what the bike's doing. And I can tell him five things that the bike did on the other end of the track before we get back and pull the SD card out and download the run. And I can look at it on the computer and nine times out of 10, what I tell him that it did at the other end of the track is exactly what it did. So it is, it has made me such a better writer and I can give him feedback, which helps him tune my bike and make me go faster. Yeah. And you know, that's, that takes a special quality, I think, to be able to be in tune with that bike because everybody can't do that. And, and it's not probably even just from working on the bike, but it's just that you kind of have that intuition or that that I don't know what, what even the word is where you feel what the bike is doing and you can right. convey that because even, you know, I'll say to my husband, well, the car's making a ticking noise, a ticking noise, you know, but it's yeah. like, well, what, what does that mean? But you know, where you can really explain and, and that just helps your team all around be better. It does. And, and you're right. You know, either some people have it and some people don't, because I know there's people out there that have raced for 10 or 15 years and you ask them what they, what their bike did at the end of the track and they don't know and they don't know. And then, but me standing on the outside, I can watch it go down the track and I can tell them what it did. And Mm -hmm. they don't know what it did. Yeah. So, but it was a learning curve for me, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But, 
it does make you, I'm sure, a much better writer and it makes your team more successful because you're able to have that feedback. So that's right. that's really important for sure. Yes. So my husband and I ride motorcycles, not what you do for sure. That will never happen. But he, um, I got my motorcycle license at the age of 50. My, oh, awesome. He, he's my second husband and he had a motorcycle. We went on our first date on a, on a Yamaha FZ1. So it's a fast bike for a street bike. And, um, and I fell in love with riding motorcycles and he always said the fun's not on the back. And so I ended up, went to the secretary of state one day on my lunch hour, took the written test and I passed it and decided, okay, well then that must mean that I should, you know, give this a try. So I started on a little Honda rebel, uh, Mm -hmm. 250 and learned to ride in the yard and, and then I ended up with a Honda VTX 1300, which I loved. But um, after some back surgery and that, I just, I had to sell it. I couldn't, couldn't do it. So I, I ride on the back a little bit, but I'm trying to get him to buy a, um, a Goldwing, one of those cushy, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. um, so I've, I've been about, uh, I think we went 120 down the highway one night and I said enough. That's so enough. In, yeah. Yeah. What's the fastest that you've ever gone? So in Sonoma this year, I went 673 at 203.06. So, wow. And that was my career fastest and quickest. Wow. That's fast. Yeah. So when you get, you, you make that pass and then you slow down and you, what's your body feel like? Is it just like, there's an adrenaline rush. What is, can you describe that? Well, in the past 10 years, you know, you usually don't have to amp yourself up because you're like, you know, I'm racing and I got to go out there and I got to win and all of that. And I think the more comfortable you get on the bike, the more you, it calms yourself down. So sometimes on race day, you know, you got to amp yourself up because you're so comfortable on the bike Mm -hmm. and you're so comfortable making passes down the track. Um, I will say our bikes accelerate fast. Our bikes are zero to 60 in less than a second. And um, we shift five times and 4.5 seconds. So we're already in high gear in 4.5 seconds. So um, the first, the first, probably eight mile of the track there's a lot going on because you got to make sure the bike's going straight you got to get tucked you got to shift on time there's a lot going on and then the last eighth of a mile is kind of like you know you're just cruising you kind of put it in high gear and then you just cruise the rest of the way and um the first time I rode a pro stop bike um because I ride a v-twin I felt like I was sitting on a washing machine on the spin cycle and it was out of balance. That's what it feels like riding a V twin. Uh-huh. But now that I've rode them so long and you know, I don't really notice the vibration, but when new people come in and ride a V twin, they're like, wow, he, they're like, my hands are numb. Are yeah. your hands not numb? And I'm like, but I've rode these so long. They're not numb. Like it doesn't even phase me anymore. But, um, our, our bikes accelerate. They are three, 3.1 to 3.3 G's off the starting line. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That I, I can't even, um, imagine what that feels like. I know that 120, I was on the back and I was like, okay, this is fast enough. And he was, he's very safe. And we were, you know, right. but 120 is not safe. I don't care. 
what right on unless you're riding down the track but um but it it also was kind of fun you know yeah I mean um if I really be honest and and you know I did the um I did the Richard Petty motorsports ride around Daytona you know where they drive the car and you ride and I actually said to the guy and I don't remember how fast we went but it wasn't fast enough I'm like right. is this as fast as we go and they were all teasing me. They're like, Melinda, you really like the speed as long. And I said, yeah, as long as he's driving. <laughs> right. As long and see, as- and I'm the opposite. Yeah. I, I want to be in control. Okay. As long as I'm driving, I'm okay. When I ride with Matt, which I don't very rarely ride with him, but when I do ride with him, like, I don't like it because I'm not in control. Yeah. So. But that's because you're com- really comfortable on a bike. And, right. you know, at the age of 50, I learned to ride a motorcycle and I rode one for about 12 years or so, mm-hmm. 10 years. And um, I, I was ready to give it up after my back and that it was just and the, and the way people drive on the road and the cell phone. It's horrible. Was, yeah, I was I was ready to not do that anymore. But um, I assume you have some street bikes then that you ride or do you drive the car when you're not racing? I drive the car because of everybody else. I have a street bike. I have a Victory Octane that when we were sponsored by Polaris, uh, they gave us. But um, I think it literally has 75 miles on it just because of everybody else. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in a situation where I have to call my sponsor and said, I went out street bike riding and this is what happened. And I'm laid up in the hospital. Yeah. Yes, that can happen with me in a car. I wear my seatbelt. I do whatever the precautions that I need to take, but it's more likely to happen because not only do you have to look out for people, but animals, stuff like that. We live kind of in the country and there's a lot of deer. Yeah. I just don't want to have to make that phone call and I don't want to be laid up in the hospital either. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And, and, you know, like you said, it can happen anywhere, but it's way more likely to happen and not at your fault, but somebody else's, they don't see you. They, you know, my husband just about got ran off the road yesterday on this motorcycle and he was going to chase after the lady, he said, but then he thought, oh, what good is it going to do? Cause you know, and so um, you know, it happens. It just happens all it the does. time. Yeah, it really does. So mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing about racing motorcycles? The wind light coming on. <laughs> that's the, that's the, <laughs> for any racer who says that something else other than that, they're lying to you. Just the saddest, you know, drag racing is my father-in-law is Ricky Smith, which races pro mod cars. And he told me, he said, if you can't take losing 80% of the time, then this is, this sport is not for you. Right. And like, I kind of blew it off when he said that I kind of chuckled or whatever, but he's right. Like if you can't take losing, Mm -hmm. then you don't need to do it. And, and yes, you lose 80% of the time, but when that wind light does come on, it's so satisfying it just, it's a remarkable feeling because you, not only did you do it, but your team did it, your crew chief did it. And you had to put all of these elements all together in one to do it. And you did it. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot harder than people think. They don't understand what it takes 
to put the bike together, to get it to its fastest, its maximum, what you can get it to, for the driver to be 100% focused and on, you know, that they're, you're focused right down there on that wind, you know, at the end of the track. And people that come to watch, they love it, but I don't think they understand the skill no. that it takes the, and bravery. I mean, that's just, you've got mm. to not be scared. And I, I'm scared for you sometimes when I'm watching (laughs) the race, you know, I mean, I've, I've met several ladies that race, um, Jeanette Thornley, Andy McDowell, um, just Kelly, 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 yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and I, and I watch these women that I've met or I've, you know, and I, and I just pray, please let them have a safe race because it's, it just, you know, gives me a little scare sometimes when I see what could happen. But, um, mm-hmm. man, I love watching it. It's just awesome, especially when you are a motorcyclist person and then you see what what's capable, what people are capable of doing. It's really fun to watch for sure. Yes, it is. Yeah. So tell me about your season so far. What's What's been your highlight and what do you have left to do? Well, up until this point, I am sixth in points, and I think I am one round out of third or fourth. The points are that tight, and so they take the top 10, and the top 10 will be, um, we have to clinch for top 10 to compete for the championship, and then our points get reset, and I think the top five get reset within 10 points of each other, and the bottom six through 10 get reset for five points between each other. So we're hoping we'll make the top 10, which, you know, I'm very positive. I'm pretty positive that that's going to happen. And then we get to compete for a championship. We've had some really good races. I think one of the highlights of my season was qualifying number one in Sonoma. Sonoma is one of the fastest tracks Mm -hmm. on the circuit. And um, to be number one qualifier there, especially with my husband was the next pair behind me. And he always pulls out those runs when he needs them. And I'm, and they told me I was number one qualifier. And, and my response was, Matt hasn't ran yet. It's, it'll never hold. And that's exactly how I answered the question. And, you know, his bike, he didn't make, he did make a good run, but it just didn't 60 foot what it should have been. Um, and I was number one qualifier and I was really happy. You know, you race 12 years and number one qualifier wasn't important to me until then. And then it was important to me. And now it's important to me. And Uh I'm like, now I have another thing because I was like, you know, as long as you're, you know, in, in the top 16, you can win from anywhere, which is true. And, you know, I never thought that I would be number one qualifier because there's so many good boys and girls in our class. And, you know, and it, I wasn't focused on being the number one qualifier, and, um, and now it happened and now I'm like, oh, well we need to turn, like, we need to tune a little bit more here and a little there. Cause I want to go faster and I want to be number one. <laughs> so yeah. It just opens up another bag of like getting me there again. So, yeah. Yeah. But that's very, that's very cool. And that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost good that you weren't focused on it because then when it right. happens, it was joyful, you know, it's right. like, oh gosh, this is cool. Yeah. It was And even when I went 200 miles an hour last year, like, you know, with my sponsor sponsoring the Denso 200 mile an hour club, you know, 
I needed to be in that club. And there was only eight members. And, you know, I was really, really focused on it. Like the first three races that we raced last year, the first three were at Indy. And then um, we went to a couple more races and I was really focused on going 200 miles an hour. And when you're really focused on something, you make little mistakes because yeah. you are so focused on what you're going to do that you make little mistakes. And, um, and I was frustrated because Matt had, he goes 200 every day, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then Scotty went 200 Scotty's on our team and he went 200 at the U S nationals. And I was like, wow, am I going to be the only one on this team not to go 200? And like, so like a couple races after that, I was like, you know, I was really focused on it and I was making small mistakes on the motorcycle. And I think I just got frustrated and like the weather conditions in Dallas, when we got to Dallas, were not good. They were not good at all. And I didn't even think 200 was on the radar. Like I didn't even think we would go 200. You know, I thought 196, 197 was out there. And you, I used to have a conversation with Matt and he would tell me what's out there. I'm like, ET was. And, um, I think we got so busy and before first round, I think it rained and then they were, we were in hurry up mode to get qualifying in and, and it was on Friday and, um, I didn't ask Matt. That was the only time, only race, only time I had not asked Matt what was out there and, uh, went out there and I went 200 and, um, and I went to the number one spot and I went 200 and the place went crazy because I was the first girl to go 200 miles an hour. And then he was the next pair. See, this is what I deal with. He was the next pair and I went 680 with a nine. And then he was the next pair and he went 680 with an eight. And I was, of course he did. <laughs> I was like, you better be glad that I went 200 yeah. because otherwise I would be mad. <laughs> right. right. So, yeah. But it was awesome. It was an awesome thing. Well, and you know, it's kind of like the watch pot never boils. And so that day you went out there, not even probably thinking about it, really, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, you didn't, sometimes in your mind, if, if you're thinking 197 is uh, what it's going to be, that's what you're going to run because right. it's in your mind. And, and so, you know, not having an expectation gave right. you what you were looking for all that time. And so that's a good lesson right there in it is. racing and in life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what would your, like your family, how do they feel about having you in a sport like this? They love it now. At first they were very nervous because they didn't want me to get hurt. And, you know, my mom was like, I just can't believe you do that. But now she loves it. She always watches. And my dad is like behind me 150%, like all the time, like, Every day that I'm at the racetrack, I get a text to be careful, go fast. He loves me. And uh, so they're big time supporters now. At first, you know, I think it's not that they didn't, they didn't think that I could do it is they didn't really want me to do it, but yeah. now they accept it and love it. And they know it's a part of my life. Well, and maybe not even so much. They didn't want you to do it. They're just concerned. You're their daughter and None of us right. want to see people we love get hurt or put themselves right. in danger. And so it was probably more of that. And now that they see how capable you are, 
um, and how much you love it, then it changes your, your feelings about things for sure. It does. Yeah. And so do they come and actually watch you very often or just watch on TV? They usually watch on TV. They come to the, when we race in Charlotte, which we race there twice a year. So they'll come to that race. Okay. Yeah. It's close. It's close. So where, where, what's the rest of your schedule look like this year? Where, where are you headed? So we're headed to Indy next weekend and we have three in a row. So we'll go Indy and then Reading, Pennsylvania, and then Charlotte. And then we'll have two weeks off. And then we go to Dallas and Bristol are back to back. And then we have one week off and then we go to Vegas and then we have the SEMA show and then Pomona is our last race of the year. Okay. All right. So and then got, it's PRI. <laughs> and then it's PRI. Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because I've had a booth at PRI two or three different years and I've just decided this year, I'm not going to do that. I'm because when you're stuck in a booth, yeah. You can't really you can't go get around. Yeah, you can't go around and meet people. And it was good for IWMA to have a booth for the presence and that. But um, this year, I'm going to go and enjoy the show instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what what else have I not asked you about that you would like people to know about NHRA or women in racing or about Angie Smith? Well, I mean, a little bit about me, like things that I do when I'm not working and racing. Um, I'm very into fitness. I try to work out every day and, you know, it's a, it's a commitment when you go pro stop motorcycle racing, because we try to all be, you know, pretty small riders. So you can put the weight where you want it to be on Mm -hmm. the motorcycle. So, you know, I like doing things like that. I love in the winter, we'll go snowmobiling. We come all the way to Michigan and we'll go snowmobiling or Wisconsin and come up there and go snowmobiling. That's a lot of fun. I have, I have some friends that live up there. Okay. And, um, I love to snowboard, even though I'm getting older, my husband's like, you might be getting too old, but I'm not, (laughs) I keep telling him (laughs) he's older than me. So he just loves to just get under my skin, but, um, I love to snowboard and do things like that. So that. I run a very, uh, very active schedule. I do a lot. So I um, get up every morning at four o'clock in the morning to get my day started. Wow. Not me. I'm, re- I'm, I'm <laughs> retired other than IWMA. You know, I don't, I don't have a eight to five anymore like I used to, but um, that's the one thing that I don't miss is getting up early. I like, yeah. I like my time. I'm more of a night owl. So I like being able to do that. So when you come to Michigan, where do you go to go snowmobiling? Uh, Eagle River. Okay. Eagle River. And then we went, we went north, um, right across the line. I want to say it's Sweetwater, I think. Mm, Sweetwater, Michigan. So it, so you go Eagle River and you go straight on up. And I think it's sweet, a Sweetwater or something like that. I think it's up there. Okay. And we, we stay at a bed and breakfast up there and it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and there's usually plenty of snow up that direction for sure. Even if we yes. don't have it in Kalamazoo, they usually, right. they usually get dumped on up there. So there's never a problem about having enough yeah. snow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So fun. Well, Angie, I have really enjoyed talking to you. I know thank we you. had a couple issues getting together, but thank yeah. goodness we could do this today. And I've 
I've been watching you race for quite some time. I just want you to know oh, I'm well, one of those you. that watches when it's on TV and I record it because there's nothing else other than HGTV. I'd rather be watching racing. So, <laughs> well, yeah, that's me. Yeah. So I, I enjoy watching you and I, I hope you know that you've got some fans out here that you probably didn't know you had. And, and the next time I get to the actual race, which hopefully will be soon, um, I'll get to meet you in person. And that'll, that'll, that's the joy that I have oh. is when I talk to people and I feel like I've gotten to know them. And then when I actually get to meet them in person, then right. it feels like I've really made a friend and that that's what I love about what I do. So um, you're, you're on my list now to, to find when I get to the racetrack and we'll be able to meet in person and that'll be fun. Well, awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. And, you know, I love when people do this because, you know, you don't, you always see us on TV and you get like a very 10% small portion of the story. You never get the whole story of what goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, I like doing things like this because you never know when the right, right person, right child, you know, little boy, little girl sees this and it inspires them. And that's what it's all about. It sure is. And I, I absolutely agree with you about that. So, well, you have good success, you and Matt, more so for you than Matt, no offense. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I, like I say all the time, I like the men, but I'm all about the women. And so I, I'm going to be cheering for you. Um, like I, like I do anyway, behind the scenes and good luck the rest of the season. And hopefully you get that top 10 and maybe the championship. That would be amazing. So we'll, we'll say that's our goal. And then we'll do another podcast after that. And that'll be fun. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.